Do you have the choice of only thinking about your limitations or will you start making different decisions? John, I have learned in a hard way that life is not about what has happened to you or what is happening to you right now, but it's what meaning you make of it and what decisions will you make today that will create a tomorrow that is different than from yesterday than your today. On this episode of the Creator Community, we'll meet Paula Mello-Doroff, a Wall Street executive turned life design strategist and speaker. We'll hear Paula's story of growing up illiterate in Brazil and how she created her own path to Wall Street and coaching. After finding a way to owning her truth and making a decision to run away from the life of poverty and creating a new roadmap for herself. We'll follow Paula's journey that led her to running a marathon and climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and the key lessons she learned from those experiences. We'll also hear Paula's step to getting unstuck from any situation and how our greatest opportunities lie just on the other side of fear and how we just need to make one decision to overcome that obstacle. We'll hear how all this led Paula to writing her first book in her second language, One Decision Away, Key Principles to Create What You Want in Life and Work. Check out the show. Welcome to the Creator Community. This is a podcast from book publisher, New Degree Presser, NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. In the show, we'll learn about the authors, their books, as well as their journeys to becoming authors. This year, NDP will cross over 1,500 published authors from six continents and earn the 293rd spot on the Inc. 5000 list. This is the fastest growing privately held companies in America. If you've ever thought of writing a book, but weren't sure where to start or finish, visit creator.institute to learn more. This is episode eight of season five, and today I have with me Paula Mello-Doroth. Paula spent 20 very successful years in corporate America working as a vice president for some of the world's most powerful companies. A tough task considering Paula came to this country in her mid-20s without speaking English and only a middle school education. After her successful career on Wall Street, Paula made the bold decision to leave her career that defined her success to dedicate the rest of her life to fulfill her purpose in life as a career and life strategist who helps high-achieving professionals and leaders find their path to more meaningful and authentic lives without having to quit their jobs. She is a professional certified coach by the International Coaching Federation and a certified positive intelligence coach. Paula is a lifelong learner driven by her desire to become the best possible version of herself and to help others do the same. She's passionate about personal leadership, high performance habits, and positive intelligence. An avid traveler who enjoys meeting new people and volunteering, Paula lives in Minnesota with her husband and two teenage boys, along with her dog, Nina. She can be reached at pauladoroff.com. Paula, great to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, John. I am so thrilled to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. I've been waiting for this interview for so long. I'm glad this day is finally here. Me too. Before we get into the book, Paula, I think it's always interesting for listeners to hear, what does an author journey look like? How do you take an idea and turn it into a book? What was that like for you? It was a journey. John, I grew up in poverty in Brazil. 
My grandmother who raised me, she was illiterate and she is illiterate. My parents were not part of my life. I never met my birth father and to this day, I have no idea who he is. The grandmother who raised me always made me feel like I was a burden. And from an early age, she made me believe that nothing good was ever going to come out of me. So a book was not in the cards for me. In our house, there were no books. Even at school, all we had were notebooks and pencils. So by the time I was able to read my first book, I was already 17 years old. I felt trapped in a life of rejection and sadness. And I must add that the whole idea of writing a book in English, it was very intimidating to me. So when I heard about New Degree Press program and the work that Professor Esther is doing, I could not believe that someone like me and my background would have a shot in writing a book someday. And I have to thank my friend and fellow coach, Sylvia DeMott, for making me aware of this program in the first place. And I remember the night before my call, John, with Professor Custer, I was like very nervous because here I was about to have a call with this highly regarded top professor from Georgetown University. And we had a conversation. He was so down to earth, great. He not only helped me get clear about what the topic of my book should be about, considering my mission that I want to help as many people as I possibly can be the best that they can be. But he also made me aware of the tremendous resources that New Degree Press offers, including weekly accountability with an editor, access to top book strategies like yourself. You have been so helpful to me. And all of those resources help authors like me with a dream to be able to go from a dream to be able to hold their book in their hands in less than 12 months. My book is not yet here, John, but in a few weeks, I will finally be able to achieve this lifelong dream. Unbelievable. And your book, one Decision Away, Key Principles to Create What You Want in Life and Work will be available this September 2022, wherever you buy books online. Well, what an unbelievable origin story you have, Paula. It's hard for, I think, many listeners to even imagine growing up in that environment, not knowing your father, mother wasn't really in the picture, and your grandmother often making you think you're not good enough or you can't do this is kind of what I'm hearing. That's incredible. And yet, you still went out and climbed the mountain of this career. And you also climbed, I think, was it Mount Kilimanjaro? Yes, yes. Back in 2017. How would you compare your life's journey to writing a book to climbing Mount Kilimanjaro? How would I compare? I I would say that first it started with having a vision and a desire to do that. Right. My dream of coming to this country, the United States of America, I started when I was a seven year old girl. And I heard that people like me could go to a country and work hard and make something of myself. And my dream of climbing Kilimanjaro 
Um, also came from talking with a friend that wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And I thought, I am afraid of heights. And I had never been into hiking or really any physical activity before in my life. So I thought about where there is a will, there is a way. And every single thing that I have been able and blessed to accomplish in my life always started with a vision. And from that vision, it boiled down to what is the goal, whether that was to come to the United States, whether that is to build a career on Wall Street, whether that was climbing Kilimanjaro. And then from that goal is like, what plan can I put in place to get ready for the challenges ahead? And it's all about execution. And if you can do that day in and day out, then ultimately, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you get to your destination. Vision, planning, and execution. I mean, I love that. Sounds so simple, but those three steps are often, particularly the execution piece, what hold people back because there's always challenges along the way, right? It's never a straight line. It's never as simple as it seems. No doubt you ran into some hiccups on the side of Mount Kilimanjaro and to find a way to pivot and kind of maybe evolve your plan, but you still made it to the top. Congratulations on that and, and all of these accomplishments, you know, moving to this country, learning a new language, finding a successful career on Wall Street when, you know, many people in this country don't do that or maybe have the interest or the vision to do it. So well done. So speaking of challenges, Paula, what would you say was the biggest challenge to writing this book for you, One Decision Away? The biggest challenge? I think the list is, is long to be truthful, <laughs> but I will, I, I want to say a couple. First was me. I was my biggest challenge. I found myself battling with limiting beliefs, which is something that my clients hire me to help them overcome. And there was this part of me, John, that would say, Paula, who you think you are? Your English is horrible. You've never taken an English class. Nobody's going to read your book. Nobody's going to buy your book. Thankfully, because of my coaching training, I was able to take my own medicine. But the biggest challenge, it was me. The second thing is time. I'm a busy person. I have two kids. I have a busy coaching practice. So there was this part of me that is like, how in the world I will find the time? And then what I realized is that the times in my life that I accomplished the most were the times that I was the busiest. And Jim Rohn has a quote, and he is someone that I consider a mentor. He's no longer alive, unfortunately. But his quote says, don't wish things were easier. Wish you were better. When we wish things were easier, we are operating from a victim mentality. And we ended up stealing from ourselves the opportunity to learn, grow, and become a better version of ourselves. Now, when we operate from being better mentality, we learn, we grow, and we become better. And ultimately, John, I figured it out, right? It was a matter of prioritizing and carving out the time. And, and here I am a few weeks away from publishing my book. Incredible. I love that quote. When you face a challenge, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better, which of course then gets us to reflect on how are we approaching this circumstance? What's the impact? 
what is the effort we're putting into it and how can we improve what it is that we're doing as opposed to, gosh, I wish someone could take this issue away from me or it could make it disappear. I love that. So, so many challenges in your life along the way. Resilience is, I think, maybe a new middle name for you. So thinking about this book, One Decision Away, what drove you to write it, right? As you said, it takes a lot of time. You've got to fit into your life somewhere. Oftentimes for me, it was writing late at night. I just, that was the kind of time that worked for me. Many hours, many times still midnight or one o'clock in the morning. You know, what drove you? What was your mission behind this book? What was your why? So my why. So John, so many times in my life, and I must rephrase, so many times in our lives, we get stuck thinking, what are we going to do and when we're going to do it? And that fear of making the wrong decision is what stops us. And what I have realized in my life is that when I get clear, crystal clear about the why, everything else unfolds. So when I reflect in my own life, John, and I come to this place that here I am speaking with you, my why is that I truly believe to my core that my story can help others. When I reflect back in my own life, there were two very distinct phases that I found myself in, excluding the first traumatic 18 years of my life. In the first phase, it was what I refer to the achievement phase. I finally found myself into the country of my dreams. I was in my mid 20s in America. I came here with nothing to my name without speaking a word of English. And I felt completely lost. I had big dreams. I had big goals. And for quite a while, I did odd jobs. And then when my English got good enough, I was able to land a job as a receptionist at a small office. But even at that time, I'm like, how am I going to make it in a very competitive country like America, and also in a very competitive industry like financial services and Wall Street. And I finally, after quite a while, I was able to figure it out. And I was able to go from receptionist in a small office to becoming a vice president for some of the largest companies in the world, like Goldman Sachs and BlackRock. And when I reflect in that season of my life, and then in the following season, John, that after quite a few years, I found myself in the second phase of my life that I had achieved tremendous success in my career. I had the trophies, the titles, the nice office. And I remember one day I was in my office sitting and I looked around and it hit me that in despite of the success that I had achieved in my career, that I no longer felt fulfilled like I once felt. And what people saw on the outside did not match with how I felt on the inside. And though on the inside, John, I felt something was missing. And guess what? I was right. So there are listeners listening to this podcast today and perhaps they feel trapped in a circumstances. It could be a job that they don't enjoy or a career that is unfulfilling, or it could be an unhealthy relationship. 
or maybe that they find themselves in financial troubles. Or it could be that they are in the achievement phase of their life, that they have big goals and they are trying to climb the corporate ladder. Or it could be that some of your listeners today, they are like, Paula, I got it. I am successful. I have achieved success by most society standards. But like me, they feel something's missing. They wonder what is their purpose and they no longer feel fulfilled. I wrote one decision away to be an evergreen type of book that can help individuals get better so they can get unstuck, reach their goals, and find fulfillment in their lives. What I realized is this, John, in life, tough things happen. And you can either get bitter or you can get better. So One Decision Away was written with the goal to help readers get better so they can create the life they want for themselves. What an incredible way to frame that story out, thinking about early on setting goals, having the language barrier, moving to New York, and then going from you know the receptionist to working your way up the ladder quite quickly. When you think about what helped you do that to those who feel like, gosh, I'm in this career and I can't seem to get ahead. And here's you had sort of every obstacle in your way for this to happen. What do you think were some of the key elements that helped you move from a receptionist to, to a vice president of some of the biggest firms in the world? So I've, I, one thing that I want to clarify, it was not quick. You were very kind to say, you know, you quickly did not happen quick. It, it it took me quite a while. It took me years. So if I reflect back on on what helped me get there, I feel that the first thing that I would say, John, is commitment. I believe that commitment it is the the underlying reason of why anyone that has ever achieved anything in life. Those were the people with the highest level of commitment. But the reality is what drives commitment? And I, there are many things that can drive commitment. But for me, based on my experience, and to answer your question, is what drives commitment, first of all, is, is really having a why that is strong enough. And for me, my why is that I wanted to prove to my family that I was going to become somebody and that I would be able to help them and that I also could prove to myself that I wasn't going to end up like most women in the area that I grew up end up like without the average education in the area that I grew up in Brazil is fourth grade education, if that. And most of them, they ended up getting pregnant by age 14 to 15 years old. So commitment is the key, and what drives commitment is really having a strong why. Second is having a skin in the game. If you have nothing to lose, why are you going to work so hard, right? And the skin in the game for me is don't wait for other people to invest in you. I never waited for an employer of mine to pay for a course. I would, I would work a second job, a third job if I needed to. So, so many times we are waiting for others to come up with the opportunities. I would offer people to like, I'm going to work for free. 
so I can show you what I can do and how helpful I can be to you. So investment also drives commitment. And then last but not least is accountability. And I believe accountability is key. And when I think about my life, I always would tell people, I would not hide my goals from people. I would say, this is my goal. I want to get promoted to this role, or I want to do this, and I want to do that. And, and somehow, people would orchestrate, even if they I did not have the ability to achieve what I was telling them I wanted to achieve, but somehow, the universe, God, and those individuals would orchestrate and help me be clear about what I needed to do so I could get there. So commitment, John, it was the key reason. And then what drove me to stay committed? Really so many powerful messages in there, Paula, about the big one that catches my ear is, you know, control the controllables and don't wait for somebody else to create this opportunity set for you. Go out and take it. You know, one of my favorite thoughts I often share with people is, you know, activity breeds activity. And here you were, instead of sitting there waiting for your boss to come say, oh, you're amazing, Paula, we're going to promote you. You and I've got designations, took on greater responsibilities and, and continue to grow yourself. And that way, what that does for you is it makes you a low risk promotion for others, right? Because they're seeing you already take on these new responsibilities and roles and proving that you can handle them even though you're not getting paid for them at that point in time, right? I love that. Low risk. I love that. I will use that in the future. How do you make yourself a low risk promotion, right? And I think what you just described is one way to do it. And a mentor of mine told me years ago, and I'll never forget this, and you can apply this metaphor a number of ways, but he said, don't dress for the job you have, dress for the one you want. And the way I thought about that was one, you know, trying to look at the people that of the job I wanted is I had a, a similar uh, Wall Street career to you. And in some ways, <laughs> a few, not all in that, you know, I started to look at all right, the people of the jobs I wanted, how do they sort of show up at work every day? Not only how they dressed, but how they looked and how they carried themselves. But also I took it to the metaphor, of, you know, how do I showcase that I can do their job? So don't sort of do the job you have, do the one you want. And so I constantly ask for opportunities. Hey, if you need a uh, someone to go speak at a conference that it, because somebody can't make it, you know, please think of me for that opportunity. And, it, you know, it didn't happen overnight, but months later, that opportunity appeared and it was given to me. So I, I really That's feel like kindred spirit between us and taking a very similar approach. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, that story and going so deep. When you think about one decision away, Paula, what do you feel like is the key message for readers? What do you hope people take away? So on this book, I share with readers 11 key principles that can help them achieve their most important goals and also help them identify what could be missing in their life so they can experience more fulfillment in their lives. Now, the overarching theme, which is the thesis of my book, is that you are one decision away. So you may wonder, like, one decision from what? And, and what is the decision? And what it boils down to, John, is this. Do you have a choice or don't you? Do you have the choice of leaving the world of feeling stuck? Do you have the choice of leaving the world of feeling unfulfilled? Do you have a choice of leaving the world of only thinking about why something's not going to work out for you? Do you have the choice of only thinking about your limitations? Or will you start 
making different decisions. John, I have learned in a hard way that life is not about what has happened to you or what is happening to you right now, but it's what meaning you make of it and what decisions will you make today that will create a tomorrow that is different than from yesterday than your today. So those like are the things that I believe that makes a big difference. John, I, I want to tell you a story. And this story is of a person that I'm fortunate to know, and her name is Ellie Stroker. Ellie had a dream. And her dream was, was an interesting dream. And the dream is that she wanted to be an actress. But she didn't want to be any type of actress. She wanted to be an actress on Broadway. But here was the challenge. Ellie Stroper has been on a wheelchair since she was two years old. And there has never been an actress on Broadway on a wheelchair. So Ellie Stroker did not even have a role model to look up to. But guess what, John? Ellie Stroker did not let that stop her. So she worked day in and day out to become an actress. And she did. She not only has been in several plays on Broadway, but then in 2019, John, she won the Tony Award for Best Performing Actress on a Broadway show. And that award has never been given to anyone with a disability. That is hard to even imagine how that journey even started and, and played out. I mean, holy cow. That story, yeah. just, that story just gave me chills thinking about that young woman at two thinking I want to be on Broadway and then in a wheelchair on stage. And not only that, but winning you know the, the pinnacle of Broadway, winning a Tony Award. That is incredible. It is, John, it's like every time I hear the story or I read, you can Google her name. And every time I tell the story, I get goosebumps myself. And this only was able to happen, John, is because Ellie Stroker made the decision that a wheelchair was not going to define her destiny. You and I and every person listening to this podcast, John, we have exact the same choice and no one no one can take that away from us and i truly believe that as we go through difficult times in life we need to be asking ourselves will the pain of getting myself out of this situation will that pain be less than the pain of being stuck in the situation that you find yourself in Ellie Stroker, it was not easy, right? And, and what I just said, it's still, it's hard, right? To get out or stay in it. But she assessed her situation and she knew that the pain of staying in a situation that she never fought for her dreams and did not even try, that that would be a worse outcome. And we need to make the same decisions. Will the pain of getting out of it be less than the pain of staying in it? 
And if you don't have a, a, wow, that is such an incredible story. And I love the way you think about framing that, right? Balancing out the pain. And and if you know this circumstance better than you, someone who ran away from home at 15 years old, talk about trading pain, right? The circumstance you were living in was so painful. You felt complete uncertainty was a better outcome, but you made that one decision. Of course, here you are now, here you are now and the little story. When you think about growing up, Paula, what's one lesson? you wish, or one thing you knew earlier on in life that that you feel would benefit our listeners that you wish you knew then? I, that I wish I knew then, I would say the first thing when I reflect in my life right now, and this reflects even going back in the last 48 years of my life is, and John, I, I will say two quick things because those two things like those are the two biggest things that I wish I had learned. You know, the first thing, it is that the road to fulfillment is not necessarily the same road to achievement. In other words, whatever tools we use and processes that we use to achieve our goals may not necessarily be the same tools that you need to utilize to find your purpose and achieve fulfillment in your life. And John, I heard that the hard way. And in some ways, it's like you will not paint a wall with a hammer. And when you do, it's going to be frustrating and costly. And so many times what I see with high achievers is that we are trying to find fulfillment, but we are tapping into the same tools that we use to achieve professional success. And that quite often doesn't work. The second thing that I wish I had learned is about the importance of mental fitness. Our thoughts, our minds, John, They are the root cause of disease, stress, lack of confidence. And our minds can be our best friend, but it also can be a weapon of mass destruction. Early on in life, we learn about the importance of physical fitness and the positive impacts that it can have on our overall health. But no one teaches in schools and even in academic institutions about how our minds will be often what's going to prevent us from achieving our goals, feeling confident, and feeling fulfilled. And it wasn't until I learned about the work that Dr. Shizard Shermin from Stanford University does and his breakthrough research on positive intelligence, I personally had never taken mental fitness training my mind as a core component of my personal and professional development. And I believe in that so much, John, that every single coaching client of mine that is a mandatory aspect of the work that we do together, I believe in it so much that I wrote about it in my book and I became a certified positive intelligence coach and I practice that every single day. I really like this metaphor you created about this to help illustrate the point of the tools that got us to where we are in in 
you know, quote unquote, fulfillment in our professional careers won't help us in all aspects of our lives. And this metaphor you used of trying to paint a wall with a hammer, I think we could all see that and why it wouldn't work. Where did you find that awareness in your life? Can you take us back to that moment or, or the maybe it probably happened over time, but where did you start to have that awareness for yourself that you couldn't paint a wall with a hammer? Yes, I felt that I have been someone, and I think maybe because of my background, that I really battled with confidence, right? Because I always felt there's always someone that has a better family and they, for sure, they have a better education than me. And I felt that was the, what was the controllables in my life is that I will always work harder than anyone else. And I will study for different certifications. My educational path was not the traditional one, right? Like in America that you go to college, you know, and so on. So for me, I felt that achievement, always having a goal and always achieving things was the route that I would stand out and I and I would feel and I would feel great about myself that I'm like, oh my gosh, that is great. I accomplished this and that and promotions at work and, and running marathons and like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe. But interesting enough, as the moment that I achieved the goal, I was ready to the next goal. Like the fulfillment and the satisfaction of feeling like good about my achievement only lasted probably for a day, if that, and then I was already thinking about my gap. What is missing? What else do I need to do? So to answer your question, when once I achieved success, I kept like more success and more success. And then I realized, I'm like, I am not happier. I actually am stressed out. I actually feel unfulfilled. I lack purpose in my life, why I'm doing this. Before, early on, I knew why I was doing, right? To get out of poverty and help my family and make something of myself. So the example of using a, a hammer, right, instead of a brush, is that I kept on this treadmill of finding things to achieve. And I kept experiencing exactly the same symptoms. Again, so achievement is all about speed. What I realize, it does how much can I get done and how fast I can get done and how well can I do those things. I believe that fulfillment, it, you have to slow down. It is about celebrating your success. It is about having clarity of your why. My why for most of my life was tied to survival. My why now, it is tied to purpose, making a difference in other individuals' lives. Because if I do that, I'm contributing to the world and I get fulfillment this way. Now, every single person, John, every client I work with, the tools to their achievement is not necessarily the tools that I use to find purpose and fulfillment in my life. When we just take this work harder approach, run faster on the treadmill, right? I think we end up living a life that's, I'll, I'll be happy when, right? When I have this house, this car, this title, this kind of thing, right? 
And what a great story of awareness you developed in realizing that wasn't where it was. Running faster on the the treadmill isn't going to get me there. It's about helping others, finding purpose and passion. And what a beautiful way to frame it out. Thank you for sharing that story. So one decision away, Paula, this is a personal and professional development book. And, you know, there are many out there in the marketplace. What do you think makes this book different? What makes the book, to your point, you're right, right? What makes the book different? There are millions of books out there. What I would say that makes this book different is the two groups of individuals, right, that I believe would benefit the most from reading the book are the individuals that have big goals and they want to achieve great things in their lives. And also the second group of individuals are the ones that are in a phase of their life that that doesn't mean that they don't want to be successful, but for them, they're like purpose and fulfillment. It is very, very important to them. So what I have found, John, is this. I mentioned to you that the first book that I read in my life, I was 17 years old. But I will tell you, I have read thousands of books since then because I became an avid reader. And when I reflect in my own life, in the two phases that I found myself in of trying to achieve and also looking for fulfillment and purpose, there are many books out there that can help with achievement. And there's so many books that can help with all sorts of needs. But I could not find a book that would be one book, one decision of reading that one book, but that would give you access to many different solutions. So that's what makes this book unique, is that you will have access to tremendous tactics, strategies, and principles that will help you achieve your most important goals, but also help you find fulfillment and purpose in your life. You really make me think of... Absolutely. And what I'm picturing is this Venn diagram, right? One has achievement, one is fulfillment. And where do those two things overlap and helping you find that place? Because that's where magic can really happen. Having the results you want out of life, but they're probably not going to really show up for you in a meaningful way, unless it also, whatever you're doing is also creating fulfillment in your life. What a, what a great way to pull those two things together. Uh, you know, we've talked about all these accomplishments you've done, this incredible number, this incredible amount of hurdles you had to cross to get to where you are in life, the language barriers, education barriers, you know, running away from home, but also running marathons, having a vision, setting big goals, having run a big relay race. I think I, I, I read in, in, in one of your stories and of course, climbing the tallest mountain in, in Africa. You know, when you think about those big challenges you've come across, not only in your personal life, but then these challenges you've set for yourself and these goals you've set for yourself and overcome. What do you think you learned from those experiences, setting big goals and getting past them? I would say I learned a lot, but among the things that I learned would be one is never too late. And there are so many people I see that they feel I sometimes I hear people there in their 20s saying, I feel it's too late, or people in their 60s, I feel that it's too late. And like one example is like I had never ran in my life. 
I grew up with, there is no physical activity in the area that I grew up in. Even in school, there was no physical activity. And in the area that I grew up in Brazil, if you're running, you're running away from the police. So when I took up running, wow. my, it, it is true. Like I never saw anyone like running, running, like how you see people running here in America. So when I took up running, I was 29 years old. I had never ran a mile in my life. And the crazy thing, that is a story for another time, but was a, a, a man, a 70-year-old man that I saw running around a lake. And, and I just said something like, a good job. And he said, you can do it too. And this person, long story short, said, I, I can help you. And he was the person who helped me not only run my first mile, but also train for my first marathon. So the first thing, John, is never too late. When I started hiking and climbing mountains, I was in my late 30s. Unfortunately, by the way, I no longer can climb mountains and I no longer can run because I have had some lower back issues. But I'm so grateful that I learned from those experiences. The second thing that I would say is the best things in life, they are on the other side of fear. I have had so many instances in my life that I, I am fearful and I am nervous. Even like being here on this podcast with you, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. Like I'm going to sound horrible. Come but on. What I'm, but I'm being honest, right? That is, people don't see the behind the scenes that I have had to face fear, not hundreds of times, thousands of times in my life. But every time I allowed myself to cross that boundary of fear, on the other side of that boundary, it lays the best things that I've ever experienced in my life. So that is a big thing that I have learned, right? It's never too late. The best things in life is on the other side of fear. And then last but not least is what I have learned based on my own experience. Vision, clarity of what is your goal, what is important here, and having a plan of execution that includes commitment and accountability, right? Having clarity of your why. Nothing of those things in my life, professionally and physically with marathons, that never would have happened without those things being in place. So such important lessons here, I think, for all of us to attack any aspects of our lives, but also to find this intersection of fulfillment and achievement, which is so brilliant. And there's one other nugget in there that I heard that I, I, I find just certainly resonates with my life, which is this gentleman you talked to to help you train for the marathons, you know, you weren't afraid to ask for help or take someone's help. And sometimes we're, I think, afraid to do that. Oh, if I ask for help, I'll look weak. But in this case, I would argue it's a sign of strength. You know, hey, I want to accomplish this goal. I recognize I don't have all the tools or or knowledge or training to do it. Can you help me out here? Pretty awesome that you went out and did that and asked for that help and found a, found a, a way forward. 
And also this idea of, you know, some of the greatest things in life are hiding on the other side of fear. I remember somewhere in the middle of my Wall Street career, I fired one of my biggest clients and he was just incredibly difficult to deal with. There was never an amicable, it just never worked. You know, whatever I was doing, he was, you know, jump three, if if he would say jump, and however high I jumped, he always wanted me to jump higher, if to use that metaphor. And I remember I finally realized I need to, I can't live like this. It's literally eating away at me day after day and keeping me up at night. I couldn't sleep. And I finally decided to fire him and terminate the relationship. And I set a day to call him and he didn't know what the call was about. And I didn't sleep for probably two or three nights going into that call. And I was an absolute nervous wreck. And as soon as I got through that call and hung up the phone, it was like this 800 pound you know, gorilla was lifted off my back and my business absolutely exploded after that. But it was just holding me down, this fear, this challenge, this pain that I had with him. And that one decision I made to use your 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 line really changed my life for the better in many ways. Wow, so, that is the having the courage, right? And like you said, making the decision. Yeah. And I can tell you, many of my peers, when I discussed it with them, they said, How can you? fire one of your best clients who helps your sales every year so much. My rule was if I was thinking about you at 11 o'clock at night in a very angry and unsettling way, day after day after day, it was probably time to move on. It didn't happen very often, but about every few years it would. So thinking about, you know, thinking about this concept of feeling stuck, which I very much felt in that circumstance, Paula, what, what would be your advice to listeners out there who are feeling stuck and how, how do they make that first step to, to, to get unstuck? I would suggest a four-step process. The first thing is, what is your definition of stuck, right? Because I feel like being stuck can mean different things to different people. For some people, maybe that they have a physical limitation. For some people, they don't have the financial resources. For some, they may say, is in my head, right? I believe that I'm not able to. So I would say, what is your definition of stuff? And even give them like a generic definition. Then step number two is where in your life you feel stuck. And by the way, John, I would suggest like to take a piece of paper and jot that down, right? My definition of stuck where and in which ways in my life I feel stuck. And then the third thing is to write down how would your life look like if you weren't stuck and you did not feel stuck? Where would you be? What do you see yourself doing? Who are you with? How do you feel? in that situation that you don't feel stuck. And in some ways, it's kind of like creating that vision, right? Of how would your life look like if you weren't stuck? And then the last step, John, that I would say is just ask yourself, what is one, one, let's start out with the smallest decision that I can make, that if I, Put this one decision in execution that would lessen my feeling and the reality of being stuck. So I do feel that this four step can lead more people than not of getting themselves unstuck than not.
understand what stuck looks like for you. What does it look like if you can get past it? And then what is the first, I love the simplest step you can take to start to move in that direction. This isn't something that's going to happen overnight. As you said, your career didn't take off, right? It Sometimes people might look at you and think it did, but it took many years. I remember many years of my Wall Street career, people would call me eight, 10, 12 years into it and say, oh, I'd love to hear how you went through this journey because you did it so quickly. And I, I often felt the same thing, like, what are you talking about? It took me years to to get to this spot. So I love that. I love that thinking there. And what a simple yet powerful and actionable roadmap you've put together there, Paula. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. So this was, you know, I, I think a, a difficult, the, writing a book, a difficult and sounds like a very rewarding journey, Paula. What do you think you learned about yourself along the way? What I learned for sure, I learned that I can learn anything I set my mind into. These days, John, it's like I I joke with my kids. I'm like, there's Google University, YouTube University, right? There is there are no lack of free resources out there. And this process of writing a book has been very humbling, you know, to me. And, and throughout this process and throughout my life, I look back and I would say, you know what, Paula, you can learn anything you want to learn as long as you're committed towards learning. So that, I would say that is a, a very big one. The second one that I would say, John, is the importance of owning my truth. Throughout my life, I carried a lot of shame about my past. And honestly, I wasn't truthful to people. I would not tell them details about my, my background, which, by the way, readers will learn much more about my background on, on the book. Because a lot of things that happened in my life were not quite like the standards among society of what people perceive to say great decisions. But today I stand in front of you and stand in front of anyone to say, I own my decisions and I have learned so much and I still will continue on this learning journey. And I know that one of the best things I can do, one of the best things you can do in each of the listeners is to own your truth, to embrace who you are, own your past. Own your present because that is the only way that you create the future that you want for yourself. Never stop learning. Take ownership of you, yourself, your your your, your identity, and your decisions. I mean, that is such fantastic advice for our listeners. I really appreciate you sharing that. So, looking ahead, Paula, right? You talked about the past and the present and, and defining your future. What's next for you? What's your what are your big goals here for 2022 and beyond? This question is a question that is hard to answer because the achiever, achiever part of me, right, would tell like, "Oh, I want to write another book and I want to do this and I want to do that." So, here's my answer, which is it's an answer based on fulfillment. My goal is to get to have the blessing of having as many people from all backgrounds to be able to access one decision away. And that I can help as many people that I can help so they can own their truth, be their authentic selves, achieve their most important goals and find fulfillment you know, in their lives. 
And I also want to make sure, John, that I enjoy this massive achievement that is writing this book. And I'm not quickly coming up with, this is what I'm going to do next. This is so big. And the responsibility that I have, the mission that I am on of helping as many people as I can be the best that they can be, it's something that I want to make sure that I don't distract myself from that mission by adding too many other goals that I'll be working on in the next few months and couple of years. So I want to stay present and really help as many people as I can with the message that is in the one decision away. Be present. Enjoy the moment. Don't keep setting goals for yourself. Enjoy the journey as you can. What a, a beautiful message in One Decision Away. Key principles to create what you want in life and work, which is out this fall, September 22, wherever you buy books online. Paula, amazing story. If people want to learn more about you, where, where might they go? You and your book. Yes, pauladoroff.com. And thank you so much for having me, John. And thank you for the tremendous role that you have played in guiding me in publishing my book. You are too kind and a model of execution. And one story I should share with our listeners is that part of this author journey is going through a pre-sale and you had one of the most successful pre-sales of this program in the history of 1,500 authors, raising over $33,000. So that was quite an accomplishment. So continue to re re revel in that accomplishment. That was extraordinary. Now, soon you'll be holding on to your book and signing it for all your pre-sale buyers. Absolutely incredible. It turns out you and I aren't the only two people that are, are really excited about your book out there. I want to share a quick quote with our listeners that someone shared for your book. Uh, Tal Ben-Shahar, PhD, New York Times bestselling author of Happier, he said, Paula Doroff's heroic journey can help us become heroes in our journey, replete with fascinating stories, inspiring wisdom, and deep insights. One Decision Away is a must read. How did that quote make you feel when you got that from, from Mr. Ben Shahar? Oh my gosh, I, I cried. This gentleman, he created two of the most successful courses in Harvard's history. He is incredible. He has taught at Harvard for many years and at Columbia University. And I was a student of them, not at those uh, Ivy League schools, but I studied under him. He is the founder of the Happiness Studies Academy, where I studied for a year under his guidance and leadership. So when I received that from him, I, I, I cried. I was so touched by his support. Uh, that's must have been really special for someone you had that connection with on a professional and educational level and then saw your book and gave you this brilliant quote. Well, Paula, amazing to hear your story. Thank you so much for sharing it with our listeners. Go out and get your copy of Paula's book. Should be should be available today by the time this episode gets out. Thank you so much for being a part of the creator community, Paula, and bringing us your story. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure is all mine. Don't forget to subscribe to the Creator Community channel on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on all the platforms. If you're enjoying the episode, do please share us, share us a review on YouTube, Apple, Spotify. And if you're ready to write your book, visit creator.institute to learn more about the fall cohort. I'm your host of the Creator Community, John Saunders. Keep moving forward.